Hey there, Coach. This is Dan Tudor. Welcome to Season 2 of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. I'm so happy to have you listening. And for this first episode of the new season, we are going to focus on you and getting organized. I'm talking organized recruiting, organized player development, organizing your coaching office life. And we're going to talk with one of the people I look to and respect the most on the topic, who is also one of your fellow coaches. It's time for today's big season two premiere episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, self-taught podiatrist and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. So coach, first things first, I want to start by saying thank you. When we started this podcast a year ago, I didn't really know what it was going to become. I didn't know, frankly, if coaches would need what we were talking about. It was sort of a shot in the dark, and and it was an experiment. And I am pleased to report the experiment went really, really well, and it's because of you. I've heard from so many coaches that have said they love this format. They love being able to just listen and learn. It's different from our College Recruiting Weekly newsletter, which comes out every Tuesday, different from the workshops we do, different from the client work that we do one-on-one with coaching staffs. This is really where we get to have conversations with experts. We really get to dive deep into topics, and you've made it possible. You have been the ones to suggest topics, uh, to offer to be guests, and I am so appreciative as we start this second season. And I have to tell you, I am really excited about the shows we have coming up. We're going to talk about things that will directly impact you. We're going to talk to some really interesting guests and and really try to dive deep into topics that we didn't cover in season one. So if you stick with us for the upcoming season, I think you're going to benefit from it. I think you're going to be entertained. I think you're going to be challenged and it's going to be great listening. So as we always say, we are, again, appreciate you subscribing. If you have people on your staff that aren't listening to this, uh, please encourage them to subscribe and go back and listen to elements of season one. There are, uh, uh, they, they can go by and listen uh, by topic. They can go back and listen uh, based on, on who's who the guest is. So there's lots of different ways for them to catch up. But this is a resource. It's a free resource that we're devoting time to to give out to coaches. Uh, so whether they're on your staff, in your department, please encourage them to subscribe and listen to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast because that's what helps grow this community. As I mentioned, we're going to talk to a lot of interesting guests this season. Where we wanted to start was with you. We wanted to put together something that gives you a roadmap for how to make this season better and how to make this season more effective for the, the job that you have to do as a coach. And we're going to start by talking about your organization, not just with recruiting, but also with the, the just the job that you have to do daily in the office. And also, how do you organize that around your personal life? And we brought in one of the experts that, that I love hearing from and talking to. She is a frequent contributor and speaker uh, at the National Collegiate Recruiting Conference that we hold every summer. And many of you follow her uh, her coaching productivity newsletter. I'm talking about Coach Mandy Green. She is the head women's soccer coach at the University of South Dakota. And she has created this, this niche of expertise when it comes to organization. And as you'll hear her describe it, 
it was really out of uh, out of a personal need that she has. She got a new job, uh, moved, and had a child all within a one-year period, and that's going to throw off anyone's timing. So she had to learn skills. She had to dive in and do research if she's wanted to continue coaching, and she has. And the great thing and the very giving thing about the way that she now treats this topic, rather than holding it for herself and only having it benefit her, she she gladly and enthusiastically teaches other coaches in her profession how to be more organized. So that's who we're talking to, and that's what we're talking about. We want to give you simple steps as you start uh, the new school year and come out of the summer. What do you need to do and what can you do to become more organized and learning it from, not in theory, not from a book, but from a coach who is living it day in and day out and, and finding success with it. So we started off the conversation with Coach Green with a pretty basic but important question. Why is it that so many college coaches are so unorganized? I think coaches are unorganized for many reasons, but I think a big one is that they walk into the office every day without a plan. I, I really stress to a lot of coaches that I'm working with that they need to plan just as much and keep the standards for how they work in the office pretty similar to how they work at practice practice, everything's organized, everything's planned down to the minute, tasks are delegated, time limits are given, and then, you know, the, the energy is great. And, you know, again, there's standards that coaches meet, but when they, they show up to work in the office, it's random. There's no no rhyme or reason to what they're doing. They're stuck in their phone every five minutes. Their, their email is open all day long. And it's really tough to make progress and, and, and get your priorities straight when you're always reacting to your phone and reacting to your email and walking into the office with no plan. So I think that that is a big, big reason coaches aren't organized. Right. Uh, but and, they're, and let me let me and let me jump in there because as you say that, you think about how college athletes grew up in in sort of the college uh, athletic environment, which is they're told when to come to practice. They're told mm -hmm. what they're going to do, what the workouts are, uh, when to show up for the bus that's leaving, uh, when to eat, what to eat, uh, what classes they can register for. You go on and on and on. They've spent mm -hmm. four years, and then they jump into a grad assistant role, or they just get right into an assistant coach's role. And I'm almost wondering, as you're talking about this, and I've heard you talk a lot about it, obviously, over the years, I keep coming back to, is, is it how they were trained? Is it sort of how they were, they've grown up and they've never really left the college campus or campuses in general because they were a high school athlete, obviously, before they were a college athlete? Is it just because they're waiting sort of for somebody to tell them what to do? Oh, I, no doubt, I would imagine. I mean, and they're probably working as a, when they transition to being a, a grad assistant or an assistant coach, they're probably working how they saw their head coaches or their assistant coaches working. And I think a big problem with the college coaching profession is that we never got trained in how to work in the right. office. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I've been a college soccer coach. I'm going into my 19th season this next fall. And, you know, with soccer, we have, you know, the U.S. soccer and the NSCAA, and there's all these coaching licenses that 
uh, we can get for continuing education things, which gives us all the X's and O's of our sport. I was never taught how to recruit. I was never, you know, and I would say our job is 70 to 80% office and recruiting and scheduling and, you know, all the paperwork and compliance stuff. And I was never taught how to do that. And, you know, most college athletes never see that side of what their coaches have to do. And so, you know, when they come in, it's like, ah, geez, what do I, what do I do? How do I do it? And if they're not very organized, you know, they're probably getting led by head coaches who, again, have never had this training before on how to work efficiently and how to prioritize and how to plan. So, you know, it, it's, it's just kind of a, a random, oh, let me work on this. And, you know, a lot of things, a lot of times, especially for assistant coaches, is that they kind of are at the mercy of their head coach who, especially if they're unorganized and they haven't planned in advance what the assistant should be doing, they're getting interrupted every five minutes with a new thing on, hey, can you do this for me? And I need that done now. So, you know, it's really it's really hard to, to know how to do it unless you get training on how to do it. Right. And, and that's what led me to begin doing this to begin with is that I never had the training. And so when I got to University of South Dakota and I had so many things to do, I just didn't know the best way to get it all done. So I was my typical working, you know, put my head down and I'm just going to work more hours and I'm going to crank it out and I'm going to get it done. And I got to the point where I was exhausted and I was almost burnt out and I was ready to quit. I mean, and you know this because we had this conversation a few different times. Right, right. I was, uh, you know, I was done. And so I had to make a decision. Am I going to stick with the profession that I had been doing for a long time? And I loved, I loved working. I love working with these student athletes, but I couldn't, I knew I couldn't keep working the way that I was working. So I had to change and I went out and studied. I mean, I spent probably really thousands of dollars and many, many hours just learning how to work better and more efficiently. And I, I really would not still be coaching today had I not put that work in. Well, so, You've identified something that I think you're right. Most coaches, they, they, they're kind of a product of their upbringing and they've never left the office. No one's ever trained them. All true. You've realized this. I'm sure other coaches realize that, wow, I just, I should be better organized. And I, the question mark for me comes in, and maybe you have some insights into this, that as an athlete, if you saw, for instance, you're a D1 soccer coach. So if I saw that my footwork coming into a D1 program was not on par with my teammates who I was competing with for a starting position, my footwork wasn't as good, I would be asking for extra help or you as the coach would come in and say, hey, we need to really work on your footwork and there'd be time to do that. There'd be, you know, you devote extra time to it. You would want to fix that problem as an athlete. Where's my weakness? How do I fix that? Mm-hmm. And yet coaches get into their careers as a coach and they they realize maybe that they have a problem or that something should be done differently and it's but then this paralysis sets in and they don't take active steps to correct it and i'm just wondering why is that and i don't know if you have the answer or i'm not asking you to speak for all coaches but there's coaches that are listening to this right now that in their mind could identify two or three areas non-athletically, even from a non-X's and O's standpoint, 
where they're weak and yet they don't take the action to to change why is that yeah i mean a couple things come to mind one I, and it, i was guilty of this for a long time is i just didn't think i had the time to put in to figure out how to do it i mean this this has taken me a long time to figure out what works what doesn't work what are, what are best practices it takes time and it's change right i mean you got to i mean i had been working the same way for many 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 years and it was change and that was uncomfortable and i didn't like it at first it certainly took me some time to adjust and get used to it but now that i'm on the other side of it it was so worth it but it it took a while for me to even accept that because you're i mean it, it was change and it was you know okay i already have so much stuff to do when am i going to take the time you know or when do i have time i have no time already i'm working 24/7 to to stop for a minute and really analyze what am i doing that isn't working and you know and and put in the the time to read or you know take a program or you know just chain you know i mean just learn learn from somebody it it takes it takes a while to do and i, I that in in my work in you know i mean i have some coaches that i'm i'm privately coaching through this and that was a big reason they said that they didn't start to begin with is that they just didn't want to take the time to figure it all out right. on their own right so i don't want to spend the whole time you know talking about the fact that there are unorganized coaches because i think that's probably why a coach clicked on this podcast and listened to it today because oh they're talking about me <laughs> or they're talking about maybe how to get better so I would really want to focus on the how-to part because that's where most of your study has gone into Mm -hmm. and that's why we like having you speak at the National Collegiate Recruiting Conference. You work with different coaches and programs and and you've created this organizational system. And so I guess I'm I'm just wondering for the coach that's sitting there saying whatever my issue is in the office organizationally, I've got them. We've established that. What is the first thing that they should do, no matter what the issue is or what the problem is, what's the first thing to start taking steps to fixing that problem before it becomes something that would cripple them as a coach in their career? For me, one of the the game changers for me was creating a master to-do list. I was just working off the top of my head. What I what do I okay, sit down, what should I do today? What do I remember? You know, and, and when I actually took the time to create this big list of everything that needs to get done in my program that, you know, what are the maintenance tasks? What are the the big needle movers for my program that need to get done for me to keep progressing with where I'm ultimately want to go. I think, you know, having all of that down on paper, really, 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 I can't say it enough, was a game changer because now I've got this list that I work off of that I break down month by month. So I'd like, you know, it's almost July 
just in the last couple of days, I, I look back through June and what we accomplished and our season starts in a month. So what now in July needs to get done and we that now becomes my my checklist for the month. I figure out what I need to do as the head coach. Mm -hmm. I figure out what my assistant slash husband needs to do as you know, based on his responsibilities and then my my other assistant, Neil, what he needs to do. And we are proactively scheduling things. So there is no more last minute reacting. We uh, also we then take this list a step further and we've created processes for each of these things. So for, you know, uh, scheduling our buses. Right. I mean, we have on a sheet of paper, the name of the bus company, the contact person, when we need to email them, the information that they need in our itinerary. So we have all of that and we just, you know, step one, step two, step three, step four. So what used to take us a while to, to complete in going back and forth with all the details of it are all crap, I forgot this last thing, I got to email them again. We don't forget anything anymore. We've got it scheduled and we've got everything written down. So we just crank through this list quickly. They get the information they need and it just has saved us so much time. And then what we'll do at the, you know, uh, throughout the process or even at the end of the season is okay. This is our, our process for scheduling buses for the year. What do we need to add? What do we need to subtract? So this has become our way to keep improving what we're doing and eliminating what's not. So just by having it written down on paper. And then also, I mean, Neil, Neil will be graduating this year and I'll have a new assistant next year. Now I don't have to waste time training a new person on how to do it. I can just show them the sheet and now they can just take it and, you know, and, and run from there. So that I would say has been a huge, huge piece of the puzzle for me is just getting this master to-do to list has become my foundation for all my planning and, and kind of my, my, that's how I set up my work day is based on what's on my master to-do list and what I need to accomplish this month. And then once the season comes, we're done. We're, we're, we're so planned and we're so organized. We can then focus on our team and we can focus on our, you know, building relationships and, and what we need to do in training and how can we bring now all of our energy is focused on our team and not so much on, oh, did you do that? Oh, I forgot. I got to, you know, I'll run back in and do that quick. You know, there's not, I mean, does it still happen? Yes, occasionally. But for the most part, just by having that list and working off that list, we are we are so much more organized, I'd say. Okay, so what you just went over, um, I think is, yeah, I, I could hear a coach saying that, again, going back to, I, I want to be instructed on how to do that. You've got laying out this plan. And yet for a... I think for the typical assistant coach, for instance, that might be listening to this, for that assistant coach, what is it that if, if, if they say, well, I need to wait for my head coach to, to buy in on this, or I need, you know, I can't, I only have control over so much of, of my program here. So for that assistant coach that 
doesn't have complete control like you do as a head coach. Mm-hmm. What what would the suggestion be for him or for her as they're listening to this, you know, in terms of their own day or what they do have control over? Does it go back to just planning it and sticking to that list? But maybe just talk a little bit about that because I think for a head coach, you just laid out a great way to organize your program. But what about for the assistant coach who is kind of captive to what his or her head coach wants to do in a day or how they want to run their program organizationally? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I still think the list and depending on hopefully the head coach has given their assistant coach there and has been clear about their roles and responsibilities based on those roles and responsibilities, I think as an assistant, you still should have your master list and create your processes. Certainly. I think for an assistant, an important thing to do is to find, uh, I mean, I, I think, Oh, sorry. My computer just logged out. No, is I think that it is important to find sections of the day and this it's a tough conversation to have for an assistant to their head coach but i mean i think an assistant you need to find an hour two hours of completely focused uninterrupted time where you can get your work done and i know it is hard because you are sometimes at the whim of your head coach and just what they need and they're coming out and you know they need this done instantly but one one thing i worked with a coach on is you know could they so they're once they get to the office their day is pretty much taken away from them by their players coming in or the you know other staff just a lot of collaborating or there's you know they're in an office where they can't shut their door so there's a lot of other noise going on we established times where they they maybe for an hour they're going to a coffee shop and they're just getting their their most important stuff done in an hour or they're like drinking coffee like drinking coffee right and they they are i mean establishing with their co-workers okay my my great energy time where i'm focused and I'm, i'm getting the most stuff done i'm getting interrupted the least is you know say from nine or like eight to ten great well let's you know put your headphones on or create some sort of system where you've identified with your other coaches that look this is my time i have things to get done and i'm trying to to put out a you know high quality work and i can't do that if i'm constantly getting interrupted so give me you know and 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 that again it's a conversation to have this is my time. I need this time. You know, the rest of the day, I know my players are going to come in. I know that, you know, we got to collaborate and we got to meet. So, you know, I get that, but, you know, I think, I think assistants need to find a way to be a little more selfish with their time. It, It can't be all day, but, you know, even if you ask for an hour, just give me this hour where I'm not getting interrupted. I need to get my stuff done. You know, I think it makes for happier assistant coaches. I think, you know, assist, I worked with a program in Boston where, I mean, as simple as getting the head coach to forward all the recruiting emails or forward all the emails that pertain to uh, 
tasks that the assistants had to do during the day, forwarding all those first thing in the morning. So they had all those before eight o'clock, even something as little as that, getting their head coach to buy into that was, I mean, I, I mean, I, I kept getting emails. I got multiple emails from the staff saying, oh my gosh, that has been so helpful. So it, it, you know, is it a perfect thing? No. Is it is it something where you got to get the head coach to buy in? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, there's been a few coaches that I just suggest, yeah, go go work somewhere else or, you know, for even an hour, go like get up an hour or two earlier. And what can you do before you even get in the office? If, you know, because the reality is, is once you get into the office for assistant coach, you know, you might not have much control over your day but you still have to get your stuff done. So could you do it first thing in the morning? Could you stay an hour later after everybody has left? Um, you just kind of got to get creative with it, I guess. Right, right. So, okay, you mentioned something there about getting out of the office. And that's what I, one thing I have noticed is I work the same way, Mandy, that if I need to get something done, I take my laptop, I go to a little coffee place, near my office and I put my earbuds in and I just focus and get my stuff done there are, mm -hmm. because there's no distractions. You just have to sit and do it. Yep. And so I think that's a great, it's a great tip. I, I would love to know just from your perspective as, as a coach that's been doing this a while, why are coaches offices so inefficient? Not only from just like getting work done, but also just in the way that they're laid out, the way that they, you know, the, the, just all the distractions that come at you. Why? Why has it allowed to happen like that? Because obviously, like in the business world, you don't see that. It's you know they focus so much on efficiency and productivity, and yet, you know, whenever I'm in a coach's office or I'm observing coaches in their office, the same coaches that say I don't have a lot of time to do anything and I can't, I need more time, and yet the amount of time they waste, you know, talking, you know, just to each other or you know, just again, wasting time. It's, it, it, it really is a lot of, uh, it's a lot of their day. Yeah. No. And I think that, uh, I mean, and I mean this with all due respect, but I think that is the, the expectation that has been set in the office, you know, and, and I mentioned this earlier is I think if coaches were to set the same expectations for how they work in the office, for what they do at practice, coaches would be a lot more efficient and more organized. Right. I mean, at practice, uh, you would not go and interrupt your, you know, your assistant coach or your head coach when they're in the middle of a drill or the middle of a practice to just have a conversation. You right. wouldn't do that. Right. You would not check your phone every five minutes at practice. You just wouldn't do that. You wouldn't start a drill and work for two minutes and then another drill pops into your head. So you stop what you're doing and go work on another drill for a couple of minutes. And then another couple of minutes later, go work on another drill. You know what I'm saying? And that's where I think it's, you know, you're, you're getting what you expect or you're getting based on the, the boundaries that you've set. I mean, I think, you know, it's if you if you were to work more like you do at practice, I think, you know, like I said, you would get a lot more stuff done. But, you know, in the office, yeah, people let coaches interrupt you every five minutes. And there's, there's just no way to get a significant amount of work and the, get a higher quality of work done when you're getting interrupted every five minutes. There's just no way. Uh, but I think if you set that as a standard of you know, and I, so something that we do here 
is in the summer it's a little different because we're our schedules are a little different but during the school year is we have a set time that we're meeting and we meet first thing in the morning well before that time i know that i've got to get my staff all of again the emails or the tasks that i need them to do so i require myself to be more organized so i can get my staff doing things because i mean we know those of us that have staff we can't do it by yourself you need a group to do to get all this done and get it done at a high level so right. as the head coach i need to be more organized. I need to have the tasks that I need my assistants to do. So we're all going in the same direction and all working towards that vision that we're trying to accomplish with our team and what we think we and what we know we can accomplish. I get organized. I send them all of the emails that I know pertain to things that I want done or we know we need to get done that day. We meet and we connect, you know, and we try to have, you know, conversations about some things. And then it's Neil. I need this, 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 we need to do this. Josh, you're doing this, this, this. I'm doing this. Okay, go. You know, I'm going to shut my door. I'm going to work for a couple hours, you know, and they they know. Don't, you know, Mandy's getting stuff done. I knew, I know Josh needs to get things done, so I need to respect his time. I can't go and interrupt him every five minutes for things that all of a sudden I'm remembering you know, if I do remember something, I just write it down. I've got my date planner right here. I just write it down and as a thought, and then I get focused back on what I need to work on. And I really like, I truly, you know, depending on the time, sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's longer, but I get that. I try to stay focused. I love putting a clock on in the background where it, you know, I, I don't do it on my phone, so I'm not looking at my phone, but I put it on the computer just as a background and I got my timer on and for whatever reason having that timer on in the background I crank out so much more stuff and I stay focused and again if something pops in my head that I need to do I don't stop what I was doing uh, to go do that new task that popped into my head I write it down and then I get back to my new task so I can stay focused on what I'm doing and it, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's, there's a thousand things that we could probably talk about with this, but right. it's, uh, it's, it's not easy. It's not, and it's taken a lot of practice to do, but, you know, again, I think it's, it's, I think you get what you expect from right. your staff. And if you keep allowing, you know, interruptions and you keep allowing, you know, distractions to take over your day, it will take over your day. Um, for me, I've got my, I've got pictures of my kids all over the place. I've got uh, a quote from The Rock that I love that uh, it's basically, it says, I'm up at 4 a.m. daily putting in the hard work that I already know my competition is not willing to do. If they're willing to get up at four, then you better bet your ass I'm getting up at three. And if they're getting willing to get up at 3 a.m., well, I'll get up at 259 because that's just bullshit. But it's and then I've got <laughs> I've got a picture of every single coach in my conference that I mean, I look at that every day and that that keeps me focused on what I need to work on. That keeps me focused on not letting distractions get in the way of what ultimately I want to do. And, you know, it's a. Uh, it's th that works for me. And I think, you know, each coach, you just got to figure out for you, what is it? What is it you're aiming towards? Because I, I think that it, 
that could be something very helpful for coaches to not allow all these other distractions to happen. Get clear. What do what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And you know, ultimately for me, it was family. I need to get home to my kids. I have to, and so I can't get caught up in a ton of distractions. Do I have like, you know, I mean, do people come into my office and socialize all day? No, they know. I mean, I'm probably not the most social person here in the office with the other coaches. I mean, do we talk occasionally? Yeah, but you know, I'm here, I got a job to do and I've got to do my job well. You know, I still have relationships with the coaches. I still have time. The team still comes in and they still talk to me about stuff, but you know, ultimately I got to stay focused because I, I want to win and I want to get home to my kids. So right. that's, I think getting clear on what you want to do really will help eliminate all of this extra stuff that is distracting coaches from, from bringing their best every day. So <clears throat> two quick things I want to wrap up sort of this idea with, and because you just sort of laid down the gauntlet that coaches need to do this and that's great. And so quickly what I want you to do is just for a couple of you know for just some quick bullet points for the head coach that's listening to this and he or she has heard you and said boy this is something we've really got to get a handle on we waste a lot of time first three things that you would have them do especially now because we're recording this and talking here in the summer of 2017 as they're listening to this what are the priorities what are the top three bullet points that they should do first to set them on a path of, uh, of, of being more organized, other than, of course, calling Mandy Green at Busy Coach yeah. and having you help them. But let's just say that wasn't going to happen. What, yeah. what would the, be the first three things that they would need to do? I think number one would be get clear on the kind of lifestyle you want to lead as a coach. Hmm. You know, again, I said, I want to be a mom. I do not want somebody else to raise my kids. So I, I, that is the lifestyle I want. So that affects the decisions that I make during the day. I think two would be getting your master to-do list sorted out. And I do have, uh, and I, I know I put on the end of like all the championship morning routine emails. Uh, no, that's the daily planner. There, there is a, uh, a master to-do list example that I can give out. I'll make sure to get that on my website, uh, so you can you can look at that and just get an example. And, and the website, just for people who haven't seen it before, the website is uh, www.busy.coach. Okay. Not busycoach.com. Busy.coach. Yep, just busy.coach is the website. The third thing I would say, honestly, I would say create a do not do list and that what are all of the things that you should not be doing in the office hmm. and i think when you that's can get cle- when I've you never can heard get- that's actually that's a great idea when you get clear on that, it is uh, it does help eliminate a lot of a lot of distractions and a lot of th- a lot of things that are probably wasting time and adding a lot of time to your day that's a great idea okay so now i'm going to flip it last thing I'll ask you is for the assistant coach who's listening to this that has an unorganized coach or works in an unorganized program but has limited power, give me their their to-do list, their bullet points of how to change the culture in their program, not only for themselves, but for the whole staff that they work with. If they're going to be the cha- that leader in change, how what would be the first three things that they should be focusing on doing? I still go back to that master list 
you know, and getting 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 your systems organized because uh, that, uh, yeah, master list definitely. I think as an assistant, if you can establish work times, focused work times where you're not interrupting each other would be great. Uh, so you can, again, all get massive amount of things done in this, this short work time that you have and you're respecting each other's time and giving yourself time and space to get things done. You know, another thing for assistance, I would say, is can you find at least an hour of time during the day where you're not looking at your phone every three minutes? I think digital detox, I don't know if it's digital detox or just a digital break where you're not accessible for, you know, 24 seven, which is hard to do. I, and this is where I do it first thing in the, in the morning is I, I don't look at my phone first thing in the morning and, you know, until a little bit later on in the morning. And then at night, there's an hour every single night where I will not look at my phone, where I will not look at my email. And that, I mean, it's easy to do with my husband, who is my assistant, because he knows uh, that I'm not working, but, you know, also my other assistant uh, or my team, you know, I mean, if they text me about something, if they call, if they call, like I know, okay, I'll pick up the phone, it's fine. But for the most part, there's an hour where I'm just mentally rejuvenating, I'm relaxing, I'm doing something that is important to me, that makes me happy. One hour every day, I find that time to do something that makes me happy and, and just eliminate the 24-7 access. It, uh, it's, it's, it, it has kept me in the game for longer and it, uh, I think, really just gives me that mental break. So I, it refreshes me quite a bit. And I guess the one encouraging note that I'm hearing from you is that doing this, it takes some organization, but to turn it around, it won't take that long. You're not talking about a one-year project to begin seeing the benefits of this, correct? No, not at all. I mean, you can even, I mean, if you wake up, tomorrow morning and drink a glass of water and start rehydrating from being dehydrated all day long, you're going to find your energy is up and you're going to see immediate results from it. You know, I mean, it just depends on how unorganized you are and what your, uh, what your staff is like, uh, and how just, you know, I mean, I mean, we like to say we're a pretty happy, dysfunctional family here, but not in the office. You know, we, we, we've got, got a system and then how we're doing things. And that's taken a while, but, you know, I mean, I'm learning. I, I'm learning as I go because there's really nothing out there. Before I started kind of creating all the stuff that I had, there's nothing written for college coaches and how to do these things. So it has taken me longer just because I've had to figure all this stuff out on my own. But I think, no, there's so many little things that you can do daily that will make a huge difference in, in whether it's your energy or your mental focus or your, you know, I mean, like put the, put the clock on in the background and see how it changes your focus. You'll be amazed. And I mean, there, there's a lot of little things that you can do that will really, really significantly change the course of, of how you work in the office. And, and really, I mean, I think, I have become so much happier as a coach with all of my office stuff organized and it shows with my team. You know, and my my team can see that I'm happier with that and that I can, I have 
I'm not wasting all my energy reacting and, and trying to remember what to do next because I've got my master to-do list and we've got that organized. And so now when I get to my team and the afternoon when we have training sessions, I'm not exhausted from running around like a chicken with my head cut off all day. You know, and now I'm, I'm bringing a, my, a better version of Mandy Green to my team and they see it and they're responding accordingly. And, you know, we're, we, uh, you know, we're close. We're so close to breaking through from, you know, get from being one of the worst division one college programs that we were in the country seven years ago when I took it over. I mean, we've made huge strides in things and the quality of recruits that we're getting now and everything by using all your stuff, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we've made so much progress and I, I really attribute a lot of that to just doing all these little things that I've been doing in the office. Uh, it's helped. It's helped a lot. All right, Coach, there you go. Coach Mandy Green with the roadmap on how to become organized. As you move into this year, try to implement some of these strategies. They work for her. I can speak firsthand and tell you that they work for other coaches, and they are effective. They will make you more productive, and that's what this is all about. So as you start the year, I hope that you can find ways to do that in your coaching life. That's going to do it for today's show. We really thank you again for all the support and for listening to Season 1 and now starting off with Season 2 of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. We'll be back with more next week. Have a great one out there, Coach. days that fly to thee we sing with our glasses raised on high let's drink a toast as each of us recalls ivy covered professors in ivy covered halls turn on the spigot pour the beer and swig it and gaudi get a tour Here's two parties we tossed To the games that we lost We shall claim that we won them someday To the girls young and sweet To the spacious back seat Of our roommates beat up Chevrolet To the beer and Benzedrine To the way that the Dean tried so hard To be pals with us all To excuses we fibbed To the papers we cribbed From the genius who lived down the hall To the tables down at Maury's, wherever that may be. Let us drink a toast to all we love the best. We will sleep through all the lectures and cheat on the exams and we'll pass and be forgotten with the rest. Oh, soon we'll be out amid the cold world's strife. Soon we'll be sliding down the razor blade of life. Ooh. But as we go our sordid separate ways, we shall ne'er 
forget thee, thou golden college days. Hearts full of youth, hearts full of truth, six parts gin to one part vermouth. 